0: Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for Dads About Dads being Dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. My guest today on Dad Up is Dan Caldwell. Dan is a well established businessman and television personality. He was made famous for his sports brand apparel company known as Tap Out. His company mostly targeted sports personalities such as MMA fighters and athletes. Dan and his two partners started the company back in the 90s and was notably started when Dan distributed t-shirts for free from his car at local MMA events. After piquing the interest of several MMA fighters, the brand quickly went global. I can't say enough about what this man has done with his life. His success is a direct reflection of nothing but hard work and the determination to succeed. Please pay close attention to this man's remarkable story of going from living in a crime-filled neighborhood as a child to a multiple business owner, TV personality, and self-made millionaire, and more importantly, a successful dad. This is an episode that you will definitely want to take notes as Dan shares a lot of wisdom, not only as a successful business owner, but as a dad. Please welcome Dan Caldwell to Up.
1: Dan, uh, thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up today. I really appreciate it. I'm super honored that you, uh, that you agreed to uh, come on the show. And uh, I'm excited to uh, share some uh, dad experiences with you. So I appreciate you being on, brother. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Um, well, do me a favor for my listeners who don't know who you are. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of your back story, and um, kind of what you're doing now, and also uh, about your kids?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in San Bernardino and uh, California and uh, probably, uh, I'd say, lower middle class. You know, I, I, but I seemingly had a really great childhood because my parents were amazing and uh, they're still together. And, uh, you know, they're just I just had a great family and I have one brother and we uh, i grew up in San Bernardino is like we you know it was it was pretty rough place to be i grew up in uh, probably one of the worst neighborhoods in the in the city but uh we never felt like we were in danger at all so we we just kind of lived you know we lived the way we lived but we were in shootouts in front of our house and um, my mom had got mugged in front of our house you know just things like that happening and i just always never wanted that for my kids you know i wanted to bring my kids up in a in a place, and not that my my parents wouldn't have wanted that for us too, but you know, I knew I knew growing up that that was that was a strong point that I always I, I grew up Mormon, so you know, they're really um, it's like a fine, tight family type neighborhood. You know, when you go to church, you always talk; to, everybody always talks about family, and so I had always thought that one day I was going to have a family, and so uh, I think growing up that was a that was a big strong point in my life that I always wanted to, you know, raise them in the right place. So I thought um, in high school, I decided I wanted to be a police officer. I thought that was the best way I could contribute, you know, bringing up my kids and also helping other families. And so I became a police officer uh, out of high school. I went, I put myself through the police academy and, uh, and I became a police officer when I was about 23 years old. And I thought that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. But a few years into that, uh, we started getting into mixed martial arts, me and my partner, who's also a police officer. And we started this company called Tap Out. And uh, over years, it blew up and became this kind of juggernaut in the MMA space. Um, My partner got killed in 2009, and uh, we ended up selling the company. I sold the company. It kind of just wasn't the same after my partner died. And uh, I sold the company in 2010. I stayed on for another five years, but during that time, you know, when we first started the company, I
1: uh,
2: I had a kid, and it was it was hard because you know at that time I didn't know how to how to be a father. I don't think as much, mm-hmm. and even though I wanted to be, I had a good example from my dad. Um, I also was being torn by this entrepreneurial bug. You know, we were building this company, and it felt like it was something that just it pulls at you, you know, yeah. you feel like it's your, it's your life's mission and it feels really strong, especially when things start to happen for you. And I, I probably, you know, in some ways wasn't best parent. I mean, I was always great with my kids when I was there and I was, and I was there most of the time, you know, I never missed, I didn't ever want to miss games or anything like that. I'm sure I missed a few here and there, but um, me and their mom had split apart uh, early on So we were kind of back together, um, broken up, back together, broken up type relationship. And I think that was, you know, played a little bit hard on the kids. Uh, but you know, it was just, uh, it was just a hard life at that, you know, in that beginning stages when you're starting this company. And, uh, and I was working three jobs at the time, two, well, two jobs plus, uh, doing tap out. So it, you know, trying to bring in funds because it was also now, you know, when you, when you break up, you're now supporting your kids and you're supporting yourself and trying to build a company. A lot of my fun, my my money for my, my job is actually put right back into my company. Uh-huh. Um, so it was just a it was a little bit of struggle at the beginning, but you know we built this this incredible company and uh, I ended up having uh, three kids um, in that relationship and uh, and I felt very blessed. And it was a, it was an incredible time for me, especially when the company started blowing up. And, you know, I was able to take care of those kids a little better and in ways that I always envisioned that I, I wanted to, you know, building them, getting buying them a house and building them this incredible game room and, and a beautiful pool and all those things that you want to give your kids. But some, in some ways, I felt like it was kind of sad, too, because, you know, I didn't, all the things that I wanted to do, you know, it was like I wanted to give them stuff, but I felt like I maybe came up short in some of those relationships if you know what i mean
1: yeah how did you and your partner come up with the idea for the top out brand
2: well both being police officers uh it's kind of mixed martial arts well at that time nobody knew about mixed martial arts it wasn't really called mixed martial arts it was called no holds bard and the only thing that had to go off, we saw the very first ufc and we saw this guy hoist gracie just you know, he's 170 pounds. He goes in there and, and beats four guys up. Right. And we just said, we have to learn how to do that. So a week <laughs> later, we were training with Hoyce Gracie in Torrance, California. Huh. And, uh, and uh, when we would train there, we would see how many shirts these guys were selling. It was incredible. I mean, every single time we'd go in, we were only training about once or twice a week because it was, a, it was about an hour and a half drive for us to get there. And so uh, me and my partner, he was my, became my partner in tap out. Um, we'd drive out there and just talk about like, oh man, you see how many shirts they sold today you see those guys that came in today we'd have, I mean they'd actually have like the Gracie challenge where they would fight anybody that came <laughs> in and that really happened like we were there one time taking a private and some guys come in they wanted to fight and into fighting uh, the brown belt uh, Lowell Anderson who was who was teaching us our private lesson at that time they like called them out of the private lesson told him hey you're about to fight two guys and uh, that's what happened <laughs> And so, you know, these things were going on and it was just an incredible time for mixed martial arts. But, um, you know, we were watching all these shirts that they were selling. We thought, man, we could do something like this, especially because Gracie's shirt was it was it was it was it was cool to say that you were training with the Gracies. But um, the real mad respect came from because, you know, Hoyce had fought in the mix in in the UFC. Mm. So that's where people go, oh, that's that guy that fought in the UFC. So we so we knew that if we created a shirt that anybody in mixed martial arts could wear, and we started putting it on fighters that were fighting in the UFC, that was very young at the time because they were only paying fighters like five hundred bucks to fight, yeah. and uh, in these early UFCs, you know, five hundred or a thousand or two thousand, depend on the fighter. Um, but then the winner would win like seventy five thousand dollars, you know, so the winner of the the event of the tournament. And that changed over time. It became, each bout became its own, its own fight. Yeah. But um, that tournament um, style fighting went away. But um, it was still, you know, it was, we just saw how, how big it was going to be. We really believed it was going to be something. And we didn't know for sure because there were lots of things in play, like they were trying to get rid of it. And they thought it was, they called it human talk fighting. And, but we felt for what it was, it was a test. Of uh, your martial art and your 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 abilities and and uh, we knew that you know a lot of people there was a lot of stuff out there that wasn't working and we didn't you know we had we started training in taekwondo we were tra- we had both grown up and charles who was my partner both grew up training in taekwondo and boxing so we we knew the weaknesses in those uh in both of those uh in both those martial arts if you want to call it boxing martial arts yeah you know, boxing is great and you have really good hands, but what if you get taken down to the ground? What do you do? And, and taekwondo is great. You know, you have great kicks, but you didn't have very good hands. And even if you did have okay hands, what if you get taken down to the ground? You're in trouble. So mm-hmm. we knew that somehow a merge of those two pieces or three pieces, um, hands, feet, and ground fighting would be something incredible for police officers to learn. And uh, we both became defensive tactics instructors for our department and, oh, cool. and started training other police officers in, in that same type of a training. And, uh, you know, and I think that then it permeated and, you know, it became now. It's a, it's, I mean, still, I don't think it's where it should be. I think it should, you know, that type of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and grappling training should be an in-service training every three months for police officers. Or they should be told that they should be training every week. Yeah, but uh, we're not there yet, and you know, hopefully that's where where it goes.
1: Yeah, um, what what do you think was the you know? Let's see, Tapout's I mean, it's a global brand. What what do you think was the the turning point that really made it blow up? Well, when we first started, um,
2: it was you know, obviously we weren't nowhere near that. We were we were selling at small events, but we always. We always pushed ourselves to do something every day to get the get the word out there. Whether that uh, meant slapping a sticker on a stop sign or, you know, <laughs> you
1: know we should be doing that.
2: But at that time, that's, you know, that was part of the marketing for us. And um, so we would put, you know, whatever we could do. And a lot of that became flying around the country and driving to different events to sell our clothes there. We called it dropping hand grenades or throwing hand grenades because... We knew little, you know, you have this, you have this, um, sport that's growing and the people that wanted to watch it and be a part of it were going to these little events across the country. So we would fly to the, fly to those events, set up our table, pay the, pay the promoter of, you know, 500 bucks to be able to set our table up and sell like $2,000 worth of clothes. And, and a lot of that came from because we were starting to get our clothes on fighters in the UFC. So in about 1998, when we started the company, um, we got our first two fighters in the UFC. We, we happened to know, because it was a small community, so we happened to know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who could get clothes on these fighters. So we blindly paid this guy a, a couple thousand bucks and, yeah. uh, you know, pray for the best, pray that these guys are actually going to wear our clothes. And, you know, in, uh, in UFC Brazil, Pat Miletic and uh, and Jeremy Horn both were our close for the first time. Mm. So that kind of helped start to blow us up. And it wasn't like in a way that um, it was just that people started to recognize it after you started. We tried to make it because then fights were only about every six months. So yeah. because you only had a UFC every six months, as long as we could keep getting it on fighters, at least one fighter in every UFC, we knew people would start to recognize it. And our formula yeah. was get on fighters. So people knew it and they respected it because they respected anybody, anybody's going to get in the cage with these, you know, to fight it out. There's a certain respect there for them. And, you know, people wanted to wear those people's shirts. So we knew that that would kind of, you know, it was just the Michael Jordan thing. You put the yes. right shoes on the right guy and people want to be Jordan, you know, yes. so they buy, so they buy Jordan shoes. And it was the thing, and you know, it was, it was it's not rocket science, but it, it, nevertheless, it's hard to do when you're two guys from San Bernardino. You know, you're just trying to figure yeah. things out as you go, and so right. we just we just kept figuring it out, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we were starting to have a lot of problems with. Um, it, people don't realize that when you're growing a business, how how growth can actually kill your company. Right. Yes, you don't think about that. Because you're thinking about if I grow and get bigger, um, I, 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 am I'm, I'm, I have a new company now called Grip Knife, um, that my partner, I, I, you know, he's a new entrepreneur and I tell him that like, Hey, you know, if we got a million orders tomorrow, um, we'd be in trouble, <laughs> like, oh. like real trouble. He's like, no, bring on the million orders. It's because that's how, and that's what I would say, you know, I mean, of course I I'd probably still say that, but. You know, I, I, you don't realize the trouble that that million orders brings with it, the, right. the problems that come with that, because um, you're, you don't have the inventory and then you're trying to create, you're trying to build the inventory, but now you're getting all this bad press because you can't fulfill the orders. And now um, you, the, the crazy thing is the people that actually, your merchant accounts, your merchants who, who fund the transaction, um, they're the ones that, the first people to shut us off. When we started doing like $50,000 a month, they were like, hey, that's all, or $100,000 a month. They were like, oh, you're not approved for that. So they just shut our account off. And we're like, what, what, hold on. I thought we're supposed to make money. I thought that was the point. You make money when we make money. That's the conversation I'm having with them because I'm not business savvy yet at that point. I'm like, right. you're, the whole idea of being an entrepreneur and for you to fund us so that you make money because you're making a percentage of this, you know, 2.65%. You're making that on every transaction. The whole point is that I'm supposed to make a lot of money, and you're supposed to take a piece of that. So why are you shutting me off if I'm making more money? I didn't understand that. But mm-hmm. you don't realize that stuff as a new entrepreneur, but you're figuring it out as you go. Yeah. And so it just, got, it just got, it honestly got insane when um, The Ultimate Fighter came out, and we started sneaking our clothes on the fighters in that show. <laughs> and it just, it just blew up. I mean, we were, I, I had, we known the show was coming and I was driving, I was actually taking my kids down to, um, it was just, uh, let's see, uh it was, a, a, a baby and my daughter at the time. So it was two of them. And we were, I was taking them down to San Diego for, to go to SeaWorld and my partner calls me and he goes, I'm literally halfway down to San Diego. It was about two hours for me. So I was about an hour into the drive. And he says, "Hey, bud, uh, I I just talked to Chuck Liddell, and he he starts filming tomorrow for this Ultimate Fighter show. We got to go to Vegas." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm halfway down in <laughs> San Diego to take my kids to SeaWorld. and it was a you know I had to tell him, like you know I'm sorry, guys, got to turn around. I got to go to work. I got to go do something." Yeah. And so we turned around. So you know, you promised them you're going to make it up to them, but. Then all of a sudden I'm I'm in Vegas for two weeks straight, well, oh. and you know because we had to try to get these these clothes so we were like we found out where the place was and we're stuffing our t-shirts inside the the little mail slot inside of the you know so that every morning when the guys go to train that they'll get all these shirts when they wake, when they get there, um and so we were just trying to do all kinds of stuff we were giving Chuck Waddell shirts he was getting them to the fighters for us and the producers didn't know any of this stuff so they swore at the end of the sh- filming of the show that there was no cap out of the show. Of course there was cap out of the show cause we made sure of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, that guerrilla marketing style is kind of what helped blow us up.
1: Well, that's cool. Well, um, congratulations on the success of the company. Um, now you sold the company. What are you, what are you up to now? Well,
2: um, I, I, at that when you know, I was kind of lost when I sold the company and dark time in my life, I think, because, uh, you know, I'd grown this company. It was my best friend, you know, my best friend that I'd known all my life or not all my life, but, uh, since I got out of, out of high school and, uh, you just, we were really, I mean, we'd see each other every day or every other day mm. and almost every day, most of the time. And all and he got killed by a drunk driver. Um, oh,
1: wow.
2: And so, All of a sudden, you know, just kind of like it put a sour taste in my mouth for the business. I I wanted to do it. I wanted to keep going to work every day, but I didn't feel that drive in the company that I felt when we were doing it Mm. because it was every day we got it for each other. It wasn't just for the business. We got it for each other. And uh, and my other partner too. scrape. We just we just it was just it was just a bad time in my life. I kind of just felt like, you know, I'm not going to, I know I'm going to not be my best at this anymore. And, um, you know, we were having a lot of problems because of, you know, it was 2000, you know, this was right during kind of the the crash that just happened in late 2008. And um, there was still a lot of, that was still trickling down to the retail business. And so we were having a lot of issues with that, but we were, we were forging through it. And I think we could have forged through it i mean I have no doubt in my mind that if Charles would have been killed, we would absolutely forge through that because we just had each other, and we would have figured things out okay. i just, when when after he passed away, I just wasn't up for the mission i just didn't I just felt like I was unsafe at that time, and it was just time to move on to something else. And get my head straight again because you know it was just a bad time. So we—I decided that in 2010 to start looking for buyers, or 2000, not late 2009. And uh, we found a good company, and we ended up selling the company. And uh, and I stayed on as president for another five years, and then probably left about two th- uh,
1: 2016.
2: And during that time, uh, I had met my new partner. Um, it, well, my my other partner too, Tim Katz, or we call him Scrape. Um, he started a company um, called Black Widow Exhaust, and and he's doing really well right now. And I started a bunch of comp- a few companies where I was basically funding a few companies, and then I started a company called Grip Knife with another partner, um, Michael Rice, and uh, and uh, our other partner Shane, who, uh, who Shane Tully, who is our machinist and we're we're building this uh this it's called Grip Knife, and it's basically a defensive weapon for an AR15 or any any rifle with a tactical rail mm. so that's so that's what we're doing. Now I started a company with my wife called billionaire collectibles my my new wife and uh and we have we also have two kids together, so I have total five kids all together you know, and this oh. whole trip of 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 starting a business and becoming an entrepreneur with kids is, is a struggle, you know, every, yeah. at, at every step of the way I'm older now. And I still feel like I'm, I'm still learning and struggling and not doing things right all the time and figuring out things as we go, you know, I'm trying to yeah. do the best that I can, but it's hard as an entrepreneur when you feel driven as driven as not some entrepreneurs feel or how you should feel as an entrepreneur. And sometimes that torn, um, that torn reality of, of allegiance where you're you're pushing for your business you know every time you do that sometimes it takes faith from your family right. and your kids and so that makes it hard as a dad and an entrepreneur where you don't yeah. that you don't have that same luxury that you have when um when you just have a nine-to-five job right. and you come home and see the kids every day It just it's a different dynamic because you can, you can say, I don't want to watch football today, or I don't want to, you know, uh, catch that, you know, the new walking dead or whatever it might be. Right. Right. You can, you can make those choices, which are actually good choices where you could say, look, I'm doing the right thing by not watching that to spend time with my kids. Where if you're a, an entrepreneur, sometimes the argument is, do I not do that and possibly fail my business or have a problem of my business or me, you know, not be the best competitor in my business, not be the best at what I'm doing in lieu of not being able to see my kids, you know? And right. so it's like both answer is right. So is there a middle ground? It's that's the struggle. That's right. the struggle. That's every struggle for Every entrepreneur is a dad. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, do you have kids?
1: Yeah, I have. I have two boys, um, 21 and 18. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it can be a struggle. You're right. Now, when it comes to your kids, um, you said you have uh, five total. How? What are their ages?
2: So, uh, starting with my youngest, my my present wife, um, we have two that are. I have a daughter who's uh, one in a few months, and a son who just turned four. And then previous, I have a a thirteen year old, a sixteen year old, and a twenty one year old who just turned twenty one. There are two boys, and my oldest is a daughter. Okay. So I got three boys and two girls.
1: Well, <laughs> keep, you gotta- keep, keep me busy. <laughs> so you have a wide range of kids there. Um, Well, cool. Now, you know, you you talk, you talk a lot about, um, you know, some of the challenges, especially being an entrepreneur, um, and trying to, uh, to find that balance between uh, your kids and your business. Um, but when you became a dad, what did you enjoy most about being a dad? Oh man.
2: Well, I mean, obviously you just, you know, you have this, you don't, you, there's this, you can't, um, I told somebody uh, recently who was having a kid, a friend of mine, and uh, who was older and had never had a kid before, and he was, he's like in his 40s now, and he was having a kid for the first time. And I said, you'll never understand what it's like to say you'll stand in front of a bullet. Whew, I get choked up even saying it. Yeah, me too. Um, to stand in front of a bullet for someone until you have a kid. You may think you know. You may say, oh, yeah, I would take a bullet for that person or I would stand in front of a bullet for that person. It's not true. You know, it's like, I mean, maybe you would, but you don't know what it's like when you have a kid. You don't know that you would grab the barrel of that gun and put it to your chest, like, to save your kid, if that's what it meant. And you don't know what that saying that means until you have your, your kid. And I was like, you know, the first time when I had my daughter, I was like an absolute mess. I was like just a, a ball. I'm an emotional guy anyway, and I, I, I like to think that I fight out of emotion, you know, like I'm uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that has to get up for the fight if if I'm training or I'm sparring with somebody. I have to I have to be in that mode. I almost have yeah. to be mad at you, otherwise I'm not going to be right. I'm not gonna be be uh the best you know i'm not going to be uh at that level so i i'm a, i'm an emotional person <laughs> an emotional fighter so i uh i think that um when when i had when i have my daughter it's like you can channel that it becomes a uh, there's a lot of strength in that like i always uh, i can remember when i lived in my condo and uh, we were just going through some hard times and i was building top out of the beginning. I think it was probably around 2000 or something like 2001 and just gone through a lot of hard times and, and, um, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to finance things. We're losing things, you know, like all of a sudden the car gets repossessed
1: and things happen.
2: And, um, and I can remember driving in this, I had like a, this van that I bought for like 1500 bucks from the auction. We had painted it black. I'd used my last few dollars, painted black and, uh, put big, huge, huge tap out logos on it. And it was like our, our band to you know drop off products and stuff to people, and I can I was driving and I was so I was listening to the Eminem song uh, Lose Yourself, yeah. and I was just so pumped and I was like I'm I'm tears are streaming down my my face and you know I'm I'm thinking about my daughter. And I, I punched the windshield at some point, and I cracked the whole windshield all the way down. And I, I, I didn't even think I punched it that hard. And I was just, it was, you know, but that's the emotion, the raw emotion you get. And if you can use that emotion to help drive yourself, um, in a lot of ways, I'd always use that, you know, became, again, I revisited that moment of wanting to be able to provide for my kids and, you know, some things that I hadn't had good bad. Or, you know i look back at that and go well, "Oh, i wonder if that was a, you know some of that stuff's the right thing to do but you know it's like you always you want that for your kids and you want the best for them and you want to be able to give them the best
1: no you're right it's that it's that love right um you know, a lot of dads that i have on the show talk about it. it's that love that you can't explain to anybody else that doesn't have kids you can't explain that love no. you know, the, the day that your child your very especially your very first child is born Uh, that love sinks in and it's just an emotion. It's a true raw feeling that you just cannot explain to anybody else that does not have kids.
2: Yeah, you can't. And it's, and it's so strong and it lets you know that you'll, you know, you would do anything for them and, uh, and it means anything, you know, it's like you're uh, sometimes I, I see, you know, it's like I always thought when I was really bad off that, you know, I'd never, I'd always been brought up right. And I have great parents, but you know we had a lot of things going on around us that could have been really seedy, and you start to you start to see why, even though I'd never done that stuff, you start to see why people do bad things sometimes mm. like commit crimes of uh you know for money yeah. because you you start to go, "Oh man, I see you love your kids so much if, if that's where your heart is that You'll do anything to bring home that money for them, so that they can they can live okay and be okay. And sometimes yeah. you don't think about the other things that can happen. But uh, it, it, you know, it's just such a it, it it's strong. And I feel for all dads that that go through that. You know, when they're not when things aren't always going their way.
1: But uh, but yeah, you yeah. know
2: that nothing will drive you out more than not being able to take care of your kids right.
1: I think every parent yeah. wants the best for their for their kids. That's exactly right. Now you have a wide range of kids as far as ages goes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm never getting 20, out of this, brother. Yeah, I'm never. Twenty one down to one. Um, it, you know, discipline varies from from age to age. Um, how do you, as a dad, how do you handle, how did you handle, and how do you handle it now the discipline side of things?
2: Well, you know, my wife is so much better at that than me. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I wish, I wish I was. I wish I was. I struggle to be better at it all the time because I, you know, sometimes I'm too. Sometimes I'm a little too strong because I'm, I'm, I'm quick to, you know, put it on them a little bit if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And sometimes I just love them so much, you know, you just let them go a little too far. My wife's really the better disciplinarian. She just, she's. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't really do it as much as I do she'll usually whisper in my ear, like, you know, why, why'd you let him do that? Or why, you know, or why aren't you doing this? You know, like, Oh, Oh yeah. You know, I just, I'm trying to get better at it all the time. I used to love your kids so much. You just want to, you want to be a good parent. And I really want my kids to be brought up, right. Cause I know there's, I don't want them to be spoiled. I don't want them to, I want them to feel, you know, I feel very blessed to have looking back, be brought up the way I was brought up. I think I my parents had always encouraged me. They, I feel like I had amazing parents. Um, we didn't have everything, but I never felt like I didn't have everything. Right. Other than, you know, other than sometimes my friends had stuff that I didn't have that I wanted. Um, I felt sometimes I was made fun of because of my clothes or something here and there. But I always felt like when I came home that I was pretty normal. As, as far as kids go, in fact, I'm yeah. obviously better off than probably millions of kids out there um you know in, in most ways uh you know between having parents and always having food on the table that was never an issue but just and having a place to live uh which was gr- you know uh, having at least a nice a house you know where we had space and our and me and my brother each had our own bedrooms uh felt very blessed for that but you don't want to spoil your kids so much that they don't have this you, having, I feel blessed to have this drive that I have. Sure. And, 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 and I, I just saw Jeff is posted something about, we should feel blessed to have pressure, you know, like to be able to, as an entrepreneur, have pressure on ourselves to, to be better. Like that, that pressure is a blessing because there's a lot of people out there who don't have pressure. And, you know, it takes, a it, it takes, it takes pressure to make, coal into a diamond. It takes pressure to make an entrepreneur, a great entrepreneur. And it just you're if you don't have that in your life, you're you may never be that great person that you that that I feel like exciting to be, that we feel blessed to be. And I want right. that for my kids. And so I'm always working that out of my head when I'm whether I'm disciplinary uh, being a disciplinarian or I'm trying to give something to my kids or or um, you know, celebrate their birthdays or whatever it is, you know, and I'm not always the best at it. You know, you want them to maybe not have to work as much as you did. You know, it didn't take me to college. I didn't go to college. So, you know, I turned out, I still turned out okay, but maybe I wouldn't have.
1: So those struggles,
2: I think those inner struggles are always going on in your brain. You're always working through those ideas and those thoughts. And just trying to do the best you can.
1: No, you're exactly right. Yeah, you don't want to spoil your kids at the same time. You always want to, you know, I have that same desire for my boys. I've always wanted to provide better for them. Than I was, and I didn't. I didn't have a rough life, but um, I, there's always that. You know, you want to take it one step further and just be, uh, just give them a little bit more than what you got. Um, and what's uh, the backlash to that? You know, it's like you have to like be careful
2: that you don't throw too much out there, right? Because then, then they're not. Then they turn out to be a spoiled person, and not right. the person that you want them to be either.
1: Yep. No, that's, you're, you're totally right. If I would ask your kids. Tell me something about your dad. What would you hope that they would say about you then? Ooh, I didn't try to
2: say that without being emotional. Um <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's just like shoot, when I talk about my kids, I talk about anything when I talk about my kids, it's just like it, it it's really it's something that just always gets me because I'm always struggling to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. And uh and so when I think about what they what I wish and I hope that they they say about me especially when i'm gone and i'm not there i I hope they would say that i constantly inspired them through example and that um that i would that you know that he always showed love for 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 me and i you know maybe that's not the the best answer that you know people would like to hear but i for me i just i just i i always wanted my kids I always wanted to be that person because I was always looking not that my parents didn't inspire me because they did they were inspired inspiring in other ways and just my dad is the most incredible dad on the planet like I just can't even um say that And my mom too like just both of them just incredible parents but you know they I I didn't have that entrepreneurial parent either um And so, you know, my parents both worked for the school district. My dad was a machinist and my mom was a, like a teacher's aide. And, and actually, my mom was like a stay-at-home mom for a lot, most of my life, too. So, you know, it's just like I was inspired by that with my parents. But I think I want to inspire my kids to like do things that no one else on the planet has ever done before them. You know, it's like I want to inspire them to be the best person that they can be, to be um, somebody who, you know, is a, um, a spiritual person. I, I think a lot of that, um, I neglected a lot of that during my life. I kind of got away from that for years and um, not that I still wasn't always a good person and always believed in God and never would never talk against God in any way. But I think I didn't carry that on to my kids as much as I wished I would have um, during those times during those years, and I'm trying to and so I think my first my 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 older three i uh, even though they have a lot of good examples around them about that, I feel like they're not in that frame of mind right now, and so because they have other influences in their life, it's hard for me to you know push them so I'm just trying to live by example for the most part and mm-hmm. try to you know hopefully you know you, got, you, you can't always yell at your kids or scold your kids or you know tell them they're doing wrong all the time you can't just do that because they don't they're not going to take that information in the way they should and i just uh, feel like the only way that they can take that information in 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 a way that can affect their souls is through example because you have to be living that if you're not that person then how are they going to they're going to see that that's the right thing to do you know i want my kids to look at me and go he's somebody who who's close to god and it and those principles affect his family and the way he acts and the person he is and he's also inspirational in a way that he's living a life that is that i want to live and be happy like that and and have those 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 um they types of big wins and, and, and something that would push myself. So I hope that all my, all my kids, you know, get that. And I, I know my, I'm obviously I'm, I'm being older and getting a second chance at this with, with two young ones now, you know, I'm really, really, and I feel bad for my older kids because not that I wasn't, I don't feel like I, you know, I was, I was a good dad, but I wasn't the best dad I could be. And so I'm really trying to do it right the second time around.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always, wanna, we always want uh, to be an example for a kid. And um, I'm sure you've heard it, um, but, you know, a kid, regardless of their age, they're watching. And I've said it on the show many times, they are watching. It doesn't matter what you're doing or if you think they're watching or not. They're watching. They're watching what you do. They're watching how you act. And they're watching how you handle things. And so we always want to be that right example. Oh yeah, I, I I can't count how many times I've <laughs>
2: oh boy said something that I probably shouldn't have said, and then um, you know thinking because I'm talking to my wife and I'm like you know talking about a situation or something and I'm telling my wife and I'm getting a little you know voicey and getting a little loud and, right. and you know I'm not thinking about you know my kids are over here you know playing on their Legos or listening because. I just not thinking like that. And yeah. next thing I know, my kids repeating a word or two that they shouldn't play. And you know, it's like, golly, it's like, I didn't mean that for that to happen, but you know, it's like, I I'm passionate about some things that when I, that when I get into them, it's hard for me to reel that back, but I'm learning, I'm getting better at that. So <laughs>
1: that's cool. Um, well, cool. Um, do me a favor tell my listeners where they could, you know, if they want to little, learn a little bit more about you, um, kind of how to find you, how to look you up, um, where can they, where can they get all that information? And then also, uh, what do you have going on this year that you're looking forward to?
2: Well, um, me and my wife are, I think right up your alley, kind of like getting in parallel with what kind of what you're doing. You really believe parenting is a strong part of our life right now. And, um, you know, it's like my wife's a, a first time mother and, um, and I, well, with our two kids and, uh, you know, I'm, ca- I'm getting a second chance at it. Um, and I think that we're, we and because I've had two chances at it, I think I feel like I, I, I gained some knowledge in that space.
1: So we mm-hmm. started
2: a new podcast called the pretty and punk podcast. And it's oh, cool. basically about entrepreneurs with kids. That's the whole point. Oh, awesome. Entrepreneurs with kids are thinking about having kids. You know what that kind of struggles like? Cause there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, some famous entrepreneurs that are good friends of mine who have opted not to have kids in that same situation. Because they feel so driven to do their mission and they feel like they can't do both and doing both is a struggle and it's, it's not easy by any means. Uh, but I think it can be done and we're trying to, we're trying to show people how to not only do that, but also bring on top entrepreneurs that are doing it so that they can tell their little secrets. You know, I know some really incredible entrepreneurs in the same respect, two billionaire entrepreneurs are good friends of mine um, who, who have kids and are, you know, uh, three kids and are doing, doing it really well. So right. it's like, can you do it? I know you can do it. And that's, we're just talking through that on our podcast. That's the whole point. So our pretty and punk podcast, cool. uh, follow us on there. Um, we're just getting, getting it up and running. And, uh, we're also, uh, I have our billionaire collectibles that me and my wife started. Um, we collect these uh, incredible pieces like Lincoln letters and George Washington letters and letters from Steve Jobs and all these incredible entrepreneurs. And uh, we, find, we buy these at auction and then we marry them to one of their famous quotes, one of their best quotes. And um, we, we make it, it's like a, we call it art for the CEO, something that they can hang in their office that will inspire them. Oh,
1: cool. I'm going to have to check that out.
2: Yeah. Check that out. It's really, uh, we're really proud of that. And, uh, we feel like we're do we're going to do some great things this year.
1: And where, where can my listeners find you?
2: What um, the on, uh, yeah. At, you can follow me at at Ass on Instagram and uh, Dan Caldwell on Facebook and also uh, at Tap Out Punk Ass, which <laughs> Punk Ass was my nickname in, 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 when uh, when I was running Tap Out. So <laughs> not to, just something I was blessed with as a skater, you know, growing up as a skater. Everybody <laughs> called me Punk Ass for whatever reason. But uh, well, yeah, cool. yeah, check us out on there. Follow me and, uh, and be sure to hit me up. You know, um, I, we're, I, if anybody has any questions about an entrepreneurship or being a parent, I would love to take those questions. I love to be able to help people however I can.
1: Awesome. Well, Dan, look, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm certainly glad I've gotten to know you a little bit. Um, you, you represent the data community very well, and it's been a complete honor, brother. Uh, thanks for having me on, Brian.
0: Thank you again to Dan for talking with me on DadUp. As you heard, Dan has a lot of wisdom, not only as a successful business owner, but as a seasoned dad. Dan certainly represents the DadUp community very well. Thank you as always for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also so important that you share the show with others. The only way the show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing and talking about it. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for guests, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at DadUp Podcast. I read all your comments and respond to them all. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Data.